Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. I really love parables, and I hate them. You know, parables are meant to challenge us. They call us away from complacency. They show us what it means to act as God acts. And I love them for the stories that they tell, for the creativity with which they're told. I like that we get to wonder about what they mean when we interpret them. But I also hate them because they humble me. Because for me, on my best days, I'm walking straight by the Samaritan. You know, I'm not turning over my house for one lost coin. I'm waving goodbye and saying good riddance to the prodigal. And, and when somebody comes up an hour before quitting time and gets paid the same as me, I am grumbling. I hate parables. And I think they're meant to be hated. They're hard to hear. They subvert what we think is right. They hold a mirror up to who we are and what we do while they show us who God is and what God does. And sometimes because parables are hard and they strategically poke us where we do not want to be poked, we sanitize them and and we interpret them in a way that gives us some distance from the challenge that they present. It's like a school play and we're the director and we cast ourselves and the people we like and the people we don't like in certain roles to make it go down a little easier. Or we say that the parable is an allegory for something else. For example, in the parable we heard this morning, we can say that this isn't about economics, it's not about money or how we treat laborers, but this is about salvation. Now, a common interpretation of it is that the landowner represents God and that the laborers who are hired in the early morning represent the Jewish people and the laborers at the end of the day represent the Gentiles and other classes of people who were previously excluded from God's family, that it's like a timeline of salvation. But there's a couple problems with this interpretation. The first is that I'm too comfortable with it. As a Gentile grafted into the family of God, there's not a lot of challenge. The only thing for me to do is is be grateful. And parables aren't about comfort. They're calls to action. And secondly, and more importantly, considering our church history and our treatment of Jewish people, is that this interpretation casts the Jewish people as the grumblers, as ungrateful that they scoffed at God's generosity and are bitter about God's salvation of the Gentiles. And we have to be so careful about letting anti-Jewish sentiment into our interpretations of Scripture. Because interpretations, they shape attitudes and actions, and they should. The Word of God should affect how we think and what we do. So it's imperative that we think about the ends of our interpretations and how we and others are affected by them. So, setting one interpretation aside, even for just a moment, let's look at this parable again, 
not as an allegory for salvation, but taking it at its face value. A landowner, a wealthy person, goes out early in the morning and hires the laborers he needs for his vineyard. Satisfied with the terms of their employment, a denarius, they go into the vineyard and begin to work. Then at 9 a.m., the landowner is out and about again and sees others who aren't working and offers them a job, promising them what is right. And they agree and begin to work. He goes again at noon and again at three, and at five he goes again and finds more people standing about, and he asks them a question. Why are you standing here? Well, no one has hired us, they say. And he gives them a job and sends them into the vineyards to work. He's gone out five times, hiring more and more people to work in his fields. And at this point, I'm thinking there's more laborers in this field than there are grapes. And when the day is done, beginning with those he hired last, the landowner hands a denarius to each person. This upsets those who have been working the longest. Uh, excuse me, these last here worked only an hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. And the landowner replies, yeah, you've got it. I did what was right. I've kept my word and what we all agreed to. And the only thing you can accuse me of is being generous with those who have come after you. If this parable isn't about salvation or, or purely about salvation, maybe it's about economics, about work, and about what payment is right. And if this is what the economics of God's kingdom looks like, that's challenging. I want equal pay for equal work. If it were me standing there watching someone receive the same pay as me, I'd be calling the Sean Fain of the day, and I'd be implementing some vineyard chaos strikes. <laughs> but in the kingdom of God, God says equal pay for unequal work. It's not about what is equal. It's about what is right. The laborer's value isn't tied to what they achieve, but to who they are. In the kingdom of God, a day's wage, what it takes to care for and feed a person, isn't dependent on the duration of their work. The person that can physically work a 10-hour day, they deserve a living wage. They deserve to be cared for. The person who's offered a job at part-time, they deserve to be cared for. The person who, for whatever reason, can only work an hour, they deserve to be cared for. Every person is given the opportunity to work and gain a living wage with dignity. The landowner isn't offering handouts. Each one has labored in the field according to the opportunity that's been given to them. And for the last hired, maybe that is according to their ability. Maybe because of physical constraints, they could only work an hour. Or maybe they're standing around because they've already finished a job and, and are back in the marketplace trying to pick up a second shift to make things meet. But regardless of how long they work, each person is given according to their need, according to what is right. This parable challenges us to look at our relationship to our money and our employees and our coworkers and think about what is right. 
In the owner, we see a person of privilege and wealth repeatedly seek to give opportunity to his community. He hires the laborers he needs for his field early in the morning, but he has money to fund more jobs. So he goes again and again and again to employ more and more people so that they might be cared for. He spreads his wealth to care for as many as are willing. In our society, there's a temptation to be like Smaug in The Hobbit. I know we're getting a little nerdy here, but to be a dragon sitting on our hoard of gold in an isolated, lonely mountain of our own making, wanting our pile of gold to only grow. But in the kingdom of God, wealth is not to be hoarded, but to be distributed to the community. Maybe we're meant to have less money in our purse than when we started, not more. We work not for more reward, but for the benefit of all. The scholar Amy Jo Levine says of this parable that the point is not to get more, but that those who have not get enough. The parable reminds us that our value is not dependent on what we can offer or what we achieve. Regardless of the duration of their work, each laborer was cared for and given a wage that would let them and their families be fed. God cares about our present needs being met. He spreads manna in the wilderness, and by his grace, he gives us our daily bread to both the grateful and to the grumblers. Thanks be to God. Amen.